is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We're live over on Crowdcast, live on YouTube, or maybe you're listening to later on fine podcast platforms everywhere. Wherever you are listening. Your finest podcast. I love a fresh podcast right from the grocer's hand into your mouth. I I went to a podcast farm actually this weekend and I picked them right off the trees. They were that oh, fresh. Wow. Just ate them. There. When you guys go to your butcher, um, uh, does he put the sliced meat right into your mouth? Like when he's like, oh, it's <laughs> yeah. I get down on it? all uh, fours like a dog. I scrabble in there, go arf arf, and he just throws meat in my mouth. We must go to the same butcher. Makes sense. Yeah. There you go. Well, anyway, this New out York of the way. <laughs> New York is weird. Pete, you were in New York just the yes. other week. Yeah. And uh, we had a bunch of misconnections. For example, I heard you stopped by Justin's place to try to see him and he wasn't there. And then also you were hanging out with people on Friday and you never let me know. Yeah. So it's like sort of the same too, sort of thing, right? Too, it was, equally it was supposed to go see that show and then I couldn't go see that show because oh, of boy. a work thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just it was blown up. Oh, okay. So you, just to, just to check, you tried to see that show. You <laughs> went by Justin's place, and then you you straight up ghosted me. Okay, just wanted to like get the <laughs> ranking there. Oh, well, I showed of... up at the apple picking spot we were supposed to be at. And <laughs> it's crazy. He was babysitting for your kids, Alex, and he just never went up uh, stairs to see him. I don't like talking to them. I don't know. What, I don't want to know what's going on. <laughs> That's between me and my butcher. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, we have a bunch of great guests for you this evening. So why don't we start bringing them into the stream later on in the show? We're going to have the creators of Runner are going to be here. Runner, don't slip. But first, we are going to bring in Joe Corallo. He is one of the creators of the Never Ending Party. Which is currently available on Comixology and is a great wild book. Joe, welcome to the Thank show. You. Hello. Thank you so much for uh, having me back. It's uh, been a while. Yeah, yes, great to see you. It's been a long yeah, while. No, it's 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 good. Uh, and before we get into it, I, I did want to mention not to and uh, start on a little bit of a down note, but your co-creator Rachel Pollock. Uh, has been hit with some hard health times. And I wanted to mention this right off. Yeah. She was potentially going to be here on the show. Obviously, it didn't work out because she's not mm-hmm. doing so great. But uh, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong on this. GoFundMe.com slash F slash Rachel Pollock needs your help if you want to donate. Mm-hmm. I'll drop the link in the chat here as well. Uh, but she's a great creator yeah. uh, and uh, yeah. she can use some help. So there you go. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, uh, that all said, though, Never Ending Party has been out for a little while. Before mm. we get into any of the talk about the book, uh, Pete is partying right there and he's oh, never yeah, going to yeah. stop and not invite <laughs> me, I guess. Right, Pete? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's anyway, a going. That's the Never Ending Party. Yeah. Woo. Well, that's the that's the interview. Me razzing Pete, and now we're done. Uh, no, this book is great. Uh, the <laughs> concept. Do you want to kind of like lay out the elevator pitch of the book for people who haven't checked it out yet? Oh, sure. Uh, basically, it's um, about a uh, cult of club kids in the '90s who uh, worship Dionysus and just want to party forever. So they're trying to uh, start up the never-ending party and bring Dionysus here to what was then present day in the 90s doesn't work out too well (laughs) Uh, skip ahead to the present day 
And one of their friends they thought was gone forever uh, when Dionysus showed up, comes back, hasn't aged a day. And um, I, I think she might have brought some things with her. Suspicious. I love the look of this book in particular, and I think that's so important to nail when you're talking about a never-ending party. So what went into the conversations there? What was what were the specific directives in terms of, okay, let's make this look like a wild, colorful, nonstop party? Yeah, I mean, um, when I was putting this together you know, with Rachel, Rachel has a lot of the background in Greek mythology, and um, I'd always been fascinated with, like, club kid culture, stuff like that. So I reread that uh, book, the uh, Disco Bloodbath, about, um, you know, the murders and stuff like that that took place when uh, the, the guy killed Angel and, like, threw his head into, into the river and washed up on Staten Island, which we reference in the book, but it's a different character. That's where but, everything um, goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right on Staten Island. But, um, but yeah, so... Wanted to do that. Um, I, I was definitely also influenced by, um, oddly enough, since this is not a superhero book, but uh, both Jack Kirby and uh, Mike Sikowski's, like layouts and the way they would like mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. do their storytelling. And, you know, just working with, I, I'd worked with Eva before um, when I was editing Kim and Kim. So I knew she could really lean into like a poppy fun kind of vibe. Same thing with uh, both Claudia and uh, Conzerosa with um, the coloring. And I really wanted it to be, you know, simple colors that would pop. So I think that all adds to it, too. We sent a lot of reference to things like um, uh, on the screen right now. I sent that uh, particular like Renaissance painting yeah. to, to be referenced and things like that. Just because <clears throat> it was so important to really, again, like nail the vibe, nail the tone, have to occasionally do things like people that have cell phones at bars in, in the nineties. So let's, uh, can we fix this or that? Oh, yeah. Like stuff like that. But, but yeah, no, it was really important. Um, Noah, uh, Sharma, who was the uh, editor on this book that, that I got for this also very keen eye for detail. He would always go in and pick up things like he would be able to be like on this panel, you know, Mindy's missing an earring. And, and things like that and you know so so we really wow. did try as hard as we could to you know keep the consistency uh throughout the whole story now did you have to do a lot of research as a uh did you get into the club kid scene in your life mm-hmm. uh to understand what was yeah. happening here yeah no there was a decent amount of research um, personal like in person research <laughs> no i i talked to people who were there at the time oh okay. I, I did do that i i did talk with um you know, someone who was in the scene and knew Angel and and people like that. So so I did get to do that. In addition to watching, and, um, you know, if you're a few issues in, you know, um, I watched uh, all those uh, Geraldo episodes <laughs> where um, he'd have the club kids on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's how I learned about that stuff. Like, as a kid, you know, I'd be homesick from school and it was... You know, once you hit a certain age in the 90s, it was like, well, you can watch, um, you know, programming for preschoolers or like trashy daytime talk Full on adult, bad for your brain stuff. Uh, like, yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, you know, once you're like, you know, 
you're you know seven or eight you think you know everything and you know you'll just you know watch yeah. something like that but that's how i i knew about that stuff so i went back and luckily there's things like youtube where some monsters are just like hoarding that and putting that back out there to subject us to all <laughs> over again so um but yeah i i went through that i think that uh, was a phil donahue or whatever had had the nice. club kids on a few times too that kind of stuff so i went I watched all that stuff. I, I had some of the other people involved, you know, watch it. I ain't quiz them. I don't know if they watch it or not, but, um, but yeah, <laughs> it was, uh, it, it all helped. It was all very, you, you know, insightful, um, you know, especially that beginning section issue three, you know, I was really trying to, to nail what it was like with those shows and the audiences because you'd always get something with like Geraldo or they'd be like, the hippie grandmas like in the audience is just like, I don't, I'd let my kids do anything. And then like <laughs> uh, the wall street guy who, who's just there and as soon just stands up and goes like, aren't you all ashamed of yourself? Like, so I'm like, let me, let me get a little bit of all that in there. It's well, classic wall street to be in the audience of Geraldo at three in the afternoon. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's how the, the business works. Make After the, money the bell in the rings. You're off to Geraldo. That's what you do. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about the other side, though, because the other part of it, of course, is this whole Dionysus thing, delving into Greek sure. mythology and other things like that. So what appealed to you about that in particular? Um, I, I've always been, you know, interested in that kind of stuff. I I was a history major in, in college and studied art history and all that sort of stuff. So, so I was always interested in that and philosophy. I minored in, you know, philosophy. So you end up you know the greek stuff kind of all gets blended into like you know a little bit of yeah. philosophy a little bit of history a little bit of art history and you, you end up learning a lot about the greeks so so I, I that was helpful but a, a lot of that too is rachel she's just rachel's always approached things from this very sort of like academic and like really understanding like the world she's travel all over the place it's it's crazy like um I noticed like the difference between like, for example, like, um, like Doom Patrol, like her run compared to like Grant's, like when you like read interviews with like Grant, you know, they'd be like, well, I did a lot of drugs. And then like, I just kept pressing seven on my keyboard until I moved <laughs> into a new like reality. And, um, you know, and that's how I came up with the, the you know, the scissor man or something like that. And then, like, when you, you hear or, or you, you read interviews with, like, Rachel, it's like, oh, well, there was this, you know, like, uh, ancient instrument that hasn't been used in 5,000 years that this civilization had invented. So I use, I wanted to reference that. So, like, she just has this insane knowledge that we were able to, like, tap into cool. uh, for this story. It was uh, to be able to tie Greek tragedy into you know club kid murders was uh it was fun it's a fun I thought it was <laughs> uh this is a little bit of a swerve but we have a question here in the comments for you from edward doherty sure. uh can you ask this guy why he stopped appearing on thinking critical which was the right choice to make oh um you know i, I don't want to get too too into that stuff people can do sort of you know whatever they want and uh you know, sometimes you agree with people, sometimes you don't. I think, I think everyone really likes, you know, comics. I like talking comics. I, I especially when it, when it comes to that show, I love talking about 
old comics. Yeah, you, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I will gladly go talk with whoever about like, remember that time Hulk fought the absorbing man in, in issue two sixty one? That was on Easter Island, that was really great. So you know that stuff, but like um you know, once it gets into like the uh I I I hate all this um you know culture war stuff. And, yeah. Um, but and you know, but you know, I I so I really want to get to <laughs> loss of the woods on on all of that stuff. But yeah, yeah, that that tracks. It's hard to enjoy a conversation when it gets into that straight up argument. No, it's um yeah. I, I don't know. I think there's there are things that you know, and I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. I want to upset anybody. I want people thinking this or that. You know, people people can do whatever they want. You know, it's uh, don't, don't, and don't, see, that's like that was the problem with the podcast is you were cool with people thinking whatever they want, and maybe other people were not. Just throwing that out. There. Yeah, you know, but like I, I don't harbor any ill will towards you know different people, and, and uh, talking about certain subjects, I'm happy to. You know, yeah. with with most people. So. Let me ask you this: Were you in New York recently, and you didn't also contact Alex to hang out? <laughs> um, I mean, last time I was in New York, yeah, I didn't. Oh, oh this, I think uh, w- woke to... culture is canceling me. Is that what we're talking about here? Is that what's going on? No, yeah, I think <laughs> no, just uh, this okay. culture. This, this, oh, just this culture. Yeah, this, yeah. And you're all awake, so that tracks. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, anyway, Joe. Back to the book. So it's out on mm-hmm. Comicsology now. Uh, first couple of issues are out at this mm-hmm. point, right? Yeah, no, um, the finale actually comes out, not this, actually, yeah, a week from today, October 4th. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. Um, So, as usual with Comixology stuff, I'm always curious where this potentially is going next, because I know some people have been perfectly happy to have it on Comixology. Some Mm -hmm. folks have gone out to paper publishers, and Mm -hmm. uh, paper (laughs) publishers, that's what we call them. I've been doing this for many years, and I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) uh, What are the plans going forward? Is it just going to live on Comixology? Is there going to be a collection through Dark Horse or otherwise? Uh, where can we see it? The, the the plan is to collect it through through Dark Horse. They've been doing um, most of the Comixology stuff. Um, you know, I don't have the exact date on on when that'll be out, but it's it's forthcoming. I know that they're working on the files and and getting things ready. Uh, I'll I'll periodically get pinged about like, hey, you got this like unflattened version because we gotta fix this or that. So. So yeah, so so that is forthcoming. Uh, but if you have Amazon Prime, you can read it now for free. You know, it's it's part of what you're already paying for. You know, so cool. Definitely, you know, feel free to check out. You could do both. You know? There you go. Why yeah. not? Awesome. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. Congrats on the book. It was a pleasure seeing you again. And great. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, Can't wait so to read fun. the final issue. Great. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, right. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Yeah. All right. Oh, there we go. That was Joe Corallo. We did lose Justin Tyler, sadly, in the middle there. All right. Yeah. Justin, we, I hope we he's... We traded a J for a J. I, I have a picture of Pauly Shore welcoming him at the pearly gates, you know, <laughs> just like the two of them that's, hugging uh, and being wow, like... Wow, that's a lot. That's a buddy, lot. we're back together, buddy. Wow. 
Your, uh, I'm going to welcome question. Justin back. In. Oh, he's back. Hey! hey, there we go. I don't know what happened there. I could hear you the whole time trying to poly shore the shit out of me. During <laughs> uh, but to talk about his book real quick, it really is uh, quite a tripped out fun adventure that, uh, I mean, the, the art and everything is really bananas. Yeah, we talked yeah. about it in the stack and it's a it's a great read. Really enjoyed it's it. It's in it's in the stack. There you go. You can check it out. And, and also beyond that at Comixology, I just want to again want to repeat the link here for Rachel Pollock needs your help. It's gofundme.com slash F slash Rachel dash Pollock dash needs dash your dash help. Uh, and she's gotten a great amount of funding so far, but of course, as we all know, hospital bills. Lots of stuff. So anything yeah. you can kick by her would be really appreciated. Why don't we welcome our next guests here into the stream? As mentioned earlier, they are the creator of Runner, a new comic that has some interesting twists to it that I'm sure we'll get to. Ooh. They are Blaze Hemingway, who is the writer, Brian Unklis, who is the producer, Brace Anderson, who is the production executive. They're going to slowly make their way in here, starting with Blaze. Hello, yeah. Blaze. How are you? Hey, what's, what's going on? God, dude, we're oh, talking nice. way more about Polly Shore and, and Geraldo than I expected. <laughs> That's every week, man. I know. We told you I'm those were, were blacked out, and you're here for it. Great. Dude, look at you with the ghost t-shirt, bro. Hardcore. Yeah, I love dude. it, dude. Thank you, I did yeah. a little customization on it to get a little pop. You know what I mean? Wow! Nice. Look oh, at this. Nice. We got ghosts. We got ghost fans. All right, I love it. Look at you, boy. You guys have nicer cameras than me. You, you look much more handsome. I think the camera. <laughs> I, I believe you're talking about our, your fellow guests, not us, because we look <laughs> like I'm talking about everybody. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you. That's very sweet. I know that uh, is there's. Thank you so much for coming on. Really interested and excited to talk about this project. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, all of you guys have some pretty deep roots in Hollywood and a bunch of, I was about to say, motion pictures, like I'm out of the 1940s, uh -huh. uh, but movies. Uh, you're embracing comics and you're embracing like, a lot of different digital formats for the comic as well. But uh, for whoever it's applicable to, where did the idea for this originally start? Did it start with the idea of the comic? Did it start with the idea of trying to do something more in the digital space? What was the original genesis? It's, yes. it's, it's a little bit of all three of us is the, is the answer. It, the idea started with, um, with, with Brian, uh, who, who's a, uh, a pretty prolific producer, and uh, Cedric Nicholas Troyan, who's a director, while they were working on this movie, Kate. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about that. Right. Yeah. So we were just spending a lot of time in Thailand and Tokyo and noticing all the killer cars in Tokyo. <laughs> Such a, I just love car culture and wanted to create an epic adventure that utilized racing at the, the basis of it. And, and, and it really came alive when we uh, sat down with Blaze and um and, and and he just built it in such a great way and so to, to answer your guys question like what medium was it geared towards originally it was actually just story it was pure let's build a world let's build a great story and then we, everything can kind of build off of that and um blaze just like brought so much of his screenwriting background to it um he's an amazing world builder and worked in the disney story trust for a all these years and it was like the guy studios call to go do a weekly and to fix scripts and he but he's amazing at creating detailed worlds 
and, uh, and that's where he really took it and, and, and brought it to life. I agree. It, not only does it look amazing, but the cars are sick. It's just such a cool <laughs> design. I was the gearhead immediately. Here. Yeah, I nice. love cars. Uh, you know, if there's a TV show and they sh- so show a sick car, I'm like, ooh, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> please more of that. So it was yeah. nice to see. It felt like the camera for the different panels was really pointing in the right direction. So I was super happy about that. Yeah, I mean, Fabrizio did an incredible job uh, with the panels. Yeah. And um, so, so Brian came in with this idea. And I, when I was at the Disney Story Trust, and a couple, I, I've kind of come in and out on a couple of projects that I had racing at the center. And then uh, I was doing one at Disney Animation. And so John Lasseter, who was running it at the time, he's hardcore. He's hardcore about hugging. And he's hardcore <laughs> about he's hardcore about research. So uh, so he uh, he like basically when I was doing a story about racing, I spent six months going to race school, uh, you know, going to F1 wow. races, being in the pit, uh, wow. learning how to drive an Indy three car, learning how to drive, you know, car like just getting steeped in racing culture. And um, I told Brian when he came to me with this idea, I'm like, I fucking love it. I love race cars. Like, it's fun. But uh, but I'm like, the stakes are really, really low. That's that's usually a problem you come up against. Because even if you really do a great job getting them invested, it's hard to sustain. And I was like, what if we thought bigger? What if we, like, thought about a whole world that instead of being built on warrior culture, it was based on racing culture? And that it is mm. speed that is the currency of power as opposed to, like, muscle. And what if that started at the most fundamental level in clans and tribes and then take that... 25,000 years in the future. And if we're not spending all of our time, energy and resources trying to kill one another, what's it look like when we're racing one another? And and that's kind of where we got here. And, and working with Cedric, we got to reinvent everything, culture, religion, like, what's it like if, if speed is the most important thing? Like, what is that religious experience like for people that want to race on an open air motorcycle because they want to feel connected to the world around them, even though that exposes them to danger? Like, that's sort of a point. So that w- that was sort of like the genesis of the idea. And we talked about, I mean, an animated series, I think, was where Cedric and I were first thinking. And then Bryce was the one that said, like, dude, what do you think about doing this as a comic? And I'm like, I've been waiting for this phone call. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I absolutely love comics. I've been an avid comic reader since I was a little guy. But I've never had the opportunity to write one. I've written screenplays. I've written stage plays, books. So as soon as he said it, I was like, yes, 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 yes. And then, well, uh, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me ask you, like, with uh, racing and speed, like, it's hard to translate that to comics. I feel like um, it. you yeah. have to get a little creative because it's a still uh, medium. So how did you approach that? Because I feel like the art is, is such a big part of the book. And uh, how did you find your way to that through this idea of speed? That's a great question. I think um, early on... Uh, we had uh, we had some help with Sun, from Sun Creature, uh, who did some of the preliminary stuff on Arcane, do some of the design for us. But when we saw Fabrizio's artwork, what he did so well was he found ways to put motion where there wasn't any. Um, so and then Cedric, uh, who's our partner in this, who unfortunately couldn't be here because he's shooting something in Paris. He's a director. So like we 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 really when I was scripting it, we talked a lot about angles and ways to suggest speed. And then using tricks like, you know, blurring and stuff to put us in motion. But as much as possible, we want to have as much expressive kinetic energy in every frame and have that intensity and and tee up those big two-page splashes so that you're like, you know, fuck yeah. Uh, because it is, <laughs> to your point, it's, it's, tricky to, it's tricky to pull off, you know, on, on, on a flat two-dimensional surface. But, but that's uh, why I, I really love working with blaze, too. 
is that his scripts read fast too. Like for, and right. I think that, that fundamental urgency to the writing translates to every step of it. And so that I think Fabrizio and Cedric are able to kick off what, what he's done and then make it feel dynamic and really visceral. Uh, every frame should kind of try to punch you in the face. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was interesting to hear you say that. Uh, I don't know if it was exactly this, but you're essentially laying out 25,000 years of history and different cultures and building all this stuff. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you're talking about you have a script that is all speed and all racing and all action. So how much of that is just informing the script you're doing and essentially you're not throwing it out, but you're just restraining yourself from using all that backstory, that Bible, that information that you've created? Yeah, that that is a temptation because Cedric and I definitely ate our vegetables. You know, we 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 really we we built a Bible. We we're building a series that can go for many many issues. You know, hopefully we have the opportunity to do a hundred plus. Like that would be my goal wow. to really tell the arc of these eight characters that that are bringing you into this world. Um, but I one of the tricks that I'm using is like we're using we're having all that kinetic energy like this issue and issue two and issue three you're thrown into the race and then we just do non-linear storytelling to give yeah. you you know it's like you come in late and then we catch them up on the way so so i want every issue to move even issue two we spend the whole time at this milestone bivouac which are like sort of like these resting stops between all 21 legs of the race and you're you're in this space, but there's still, there's racing happening there because it's so steeped in the culture. Even when you stop racing, everybody's still racing. They're finding, they're betting on, uh, you know, like these Pokemon-esque animals that race. They're saying like, who wants to jump <laughs> off the top of the, the checkpoint tower and, and see who, you know, it, it, it bails out first, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think the, tr the trick of it is really that, is, is staying non-linear. So we can keep, you, you, you start and finish with motion and then you have, you know, snippets of, of lore character along the way has working on this sped up your personal lives are you uh, living faster uh, in your normal life yeah i got to wake at 2 a.m a lot more often than I there that's right i'll tell you that yeah sorry what were you saying bryce you're waking up a lot more yeah um, oh. i was just gonna say i'm awake at 2 a.m a lot more often yeah well i mean and you are because it's just like you know we're what's what's awesome about you know it's like one of the the good and bad things that came out of the pandemic is you know obviously we learn how to work internationally so we're you know we're, we're our cover artist is in brazil our um our our, our uh, illustrator colorist is is in italy we're in los angeles like uh yeah so you do start to keep wacky hours and learn how to be efficient so i guess efficiency is part of it uh, so I did uh, want to ask you on the other side of the spectrum, beyond the creative, there's also the technical part of it, the production part of it. Uh, uh, to be totally upfront, I think to say it generously, we've been pretty skeptical about NFTs here on the podcast when we talked about them. But you are beyond the physical copy, also releasing it as an NFT. So why that? And what are the challenges there in terms of releasing a comic that way? Yeah, it's a good question. I think one, uh, for one, it, it felt organic to the story, genuinely, because one thing that is part of the storytelling is this pinch technology, which basically mm. allows people, nations that have been kind of forgotten and have no chance of winning the race to even the playing field. It's And so they basically, it's like these wormholes, which are extremely dangerous and risky, but that you can you know, actually compete if you, you use them. And there seemed like a lot of parallels 
to Web3 in that, uh, for, for that. So that, that felt good. And then you get into the producerial reasons for it, which is, frankly, it is something where there was an opportunity to build this world further than we could in any other way. We have these great partners in, in Metaversal um, who were helping us build the scope of it to actually get the conceptual art and to populate the world with people that can participate in the storytelling. And that just seemed really exciting. And so you can go and, um, and many people do obviously, self-finance, the um, the comic book, but all of us in in this space we're we're early, you know. Like we've been very accomplished in in film and television, but we were we were younger in the comic book space, and to be able to go and do it, and and to then also to create this community around it has been really fun. Like there's people that now are actively involved in helping us create specific cultural touchstones within each of these nations, and it, it's just been really exciting to, to try to do it that way. And I think what? to return even okay. even more basic than that, I think I would say, you know, I love reading comics and 98% of the comics I read are digital, right? And I hate buying digital goods. It annoys me, right? I don't like paying, I don't like paying subscription cert fees. I don't like buying something that then just like lives on my iPad. It annoys me. And part of what's so cool about <laughs> comics is collecting comics and having that first edition of something. And part of that is being able to sell it, right? And so what NFTs give you is they give you this sort of, uh, this, you know, a limited number of a digital asset, but also a digital asset that you can then sell and pass on. And there's something about that that's really, really cool and kind of like a return to what comics used to be before comics became subscription digital, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I understand that there's sort of this brave new world of NFTs. And of course, there's a lot of BS in that ecosystem at the same time. But what is there is sort of this return to kind of a, a human collector mentality that I think you guys will really identify with. And a lot of people that watch your show will identify with. Well, I mean, Brian, I think you just touched on this a little bit and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like almost in a, in a, not negatively, but calculated way, you're talking about this community that you're building around it, right? And I saw this a little bit when we were posting about the show on Twitter. I do think there's this constant talk we have about comics and appealing to a comics fan base, and you've managed to activate a very different fan base that wouldn't normally necessarily be in comics here. Does that seem yeah. kind of on the right track? Yeah, it does. And, and like, we very much love comics and it comes from a genuine place making the comic, but it goes back to that very original question that you asked is how was this initiated? And it was initiated story first. Mm -hmm. Like we really believe that this is Omega is a planet, a universe where all these different stories can be told and told in different ways. And so there's certainly the web three NFT part of that. There's definitely the comic book, Part of that and that's the most like i think the the way that we can most show the scope of the storytelling we also want to build it into other avenues too gaming animated tv series movies and what i think makes us unique as a partner as 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 a partnership is that we really understand what goes into making the animated series and the movie because that's what we are we've done for four years now and so having that understanding of okay how can we get the story out there all these different ways 
build the community, build the story. And then so that'll unlock other avenues to further tell the story down the way too. And I, and I just want to add just real quick, like when we talk about community stuff, again, like I remember being a comic book reader, sending <laughs> letters to Stan Lee that I hope are getting published on the back, but it's like reactive, right? I'm reacting to stuff that's already occurred. What's cool about this, like the first, the first issue I, you know, I wrote independently and then we, you know, then it goes on discord and people start reacting and start saying things. So something we've opened up are, are people that bought the first 1000 issues of our comic also got, you know, a, an NFT and a first edition NFT that gives them a digital subscription in perpetuity, not subscription. You, you get them like they show up to, you know, the, the digital version is yours and you can sell that asset or keep it. And the thing is, the other thing that gives them a gateway to is I'm opening up a writer's room every week and I'm saying, all right, if it's optional, you don't have to come in. But if you have one of those things and you want to come in, you want to hear me pitch out what issue three sounds like and you want to weigh in because you become invested in these characters. You're like, Ozzy would never do that. Like, what are you smoking, Blaze? And I'm like, a lot. I'm smoking a lot. So I need your advice. Nobody's perfect. Um, so again, like it, it doesn't, this isn't like a choose your own adventure thing, but I think it's really important. The fans put us in the position we are in and we need to show more respect, more gratitude and hear the voices. Like they're not always going to be right, but they may be some brilliant ideas in there too. And we want them to feel a collective ownership of runner, um, which is the real opportunity here, which is what I'm, yeah. I'm, that's why I'm doing it. Bryce convinced, you know, Bryce ex introduced me to this world. And I was, I was, believe me, no one was more skeptical than me uh, 12 months ago. <laughs> And now I've I've learned to embrace <laughs> it, and I, and now I, I really do I love it. It's super fun. I'm very interested in this idea of you running a writers room with a thousand people in it. <laughs> we limit it to twenty five at a clip. Yeah. Okay. They, 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 okay. Otherwise, you're just like it's the Tower of Babel. No, it's that would be bad. <laughs> um, well, uh, I mean, I have a like as a little bit of a follow up question here. So, if you are bouncing around these ideas and these people have a stake in air, let's say somebody in the Discord room throws out what you think is an absolutely brilliant idea that's got to go in the book. How does that work? Do they get credit there? Is it they have the credit because they're part of the Discord? What's the give and take on that like? The the, the added value would be the collected out, you know, since we all sort of share in in the most loosest uh, definition, like an ownership of this thing, right? They own they own this NFT, they own this thing. So that's something that, to Bryce's point, that's something they can resell on OpenSea, they can hold on to, you know, whatever they want to do with it. So the added value is really in sort of like this, this piece of it that they own because it gets, it does get very complicated with, with licensing and, 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 and like credit, it does get, it gets murky in a hurry. That's why it's like, this is optional. If you would like to engage in the creative process, have at it. If you want to hang out with a dude that's been doing this for 20 years and I can talk to you more about my process, how I take an idea to fruition. Those are sort of like, to me, that's like an enhanced opportunity for people that want to dive in. Um, but you, it's certainly not required. And we're certainly not looking to like, steal any brilliant ideas or anything like that like if you want to if you want to make a suggestion if you want to pitch this stuff like um this is the form to do it uh and just these are sort of the parameters of engaging in that um it's like i said it's like it's letters to the editor in real time i guess yeah. is the, is the mm. just um let, let's go to the other end of the spectrum because like we talked about a little bit at the beginning you guys also and as you mentioned you have some deep ties in hollywood you said you're already working on that part um what potentially can we expect there what are you exploring in terms of animated series movie video games and what is the process there particularly given what we're talking about where you are getting this feedback and are creating this thing in real time 
Well, yeah. Right. Go ahead. Go ahead, Blaze. No, no, no. All I was going to say is, you know, first and foremost, I want to make a kick-ass comic. Like that's my number one priority. That's 1000% my focus. Does this, you know, because we built this, does it lend itself to these other places? 1000%. And I think one of the most obvious places is in an animated series because, you know, look, these, a comic is essentially a script and phenomenal storyboards. Like, you know, already sort of like the pipeline has already commenced. So, um, that's a big part of it, and uh, I'll I'll leave it to Brian to talk about other stuff. No, exactly, and I think the the idea when we get to that place, we'll, we want to be totally prepared um, that we have as much um, you know articulation of the story and the world as possible, and because the alternative path, which many people in our uh, field often confront is that you can set something up at a streamer or a studio and then you're in this like what's called development hell where you're always constantly like <laughs> for permission you know to go to the next step to go to the next step and you know always and you what what is exciting here is that we want to build this as much as possible and then only ask for permission once which is to go make it not every step of the way so we've been pretty strategic about that. But then I keep, I know I'm kind of a broken record. It really just goes down what, what to let's keep baking this. Let's bake the story as much as possible. Let's show the, that in any way we can. And it will bleed into, and I've thankfully been able to watch as something that starts just in a room with a couple of people having ideas and build and build and build and become global. And like, we're just going to keep putting our, keeping our head down and uh, do the work on the story. And do you think, I mean, this sounds like this is a little while off, but do you think you're going to see use the same, what we're referring to as non-traditional methods to release it? Is it more going to a Hollywood studio, going to like a Netflix or other streamer and seeing what you can do there? Yeah. So I work a lot with Netflix. Um, and most recently just did the both ways with Lily Reinhardt and um, uh, for the ride and Project Power and Bright and a lot of others that um, over there. So we have a, fluid relationship with them not to say that we would have to go them we, you know we have relationships everywhere and so but it that that is something that it's really like too early to tell because there's so and i'm not trying to be evasive it literally is just like there's so many things that have to happen by the time you get there, yeah. into that strategy so it's it's hard to say but um, right now we're super focused on the the, the comic and, and the, and the pfp option uh, this is a little unrelated, but Pete's a big fan of Lily Reinhardt. Could you tell her that he said hi? Well, I will. She's so she's incredible. Pete she hates that. He, he, lo he loves he loves Lily and he loves ghosts. Those two things. Are <laughs> first and foremost. I also want to hang out in your room, man. Look, you got the fully formed Voltron over there. I mean, come on, dude. Yeah, that man. I got I got for hours over there. I got some Mazinga up there. Oh wow! Got, Look at that. Yeah, I got another Voltron. I yeah, I got some nice comic book art. I got a little uh, Sean Phillips over there, a little yeah, Becky Cloonan. Oh, Pete has shot. been studying your room this entire interview. He has a, <laughs> a, a full-on script of it. Yeah. 
Taking yeah. screenshots. It's like the whole MTV Cribs. He's the eyes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Walking us yeah. through the comic collection. Yo, roll up to my 150 square foot garage office. Welcome uh, to Cribs. <laughs> the most underwhelming episode ever. Perfect. Uh, uh, before we let you guys go, though, if people do want to check out Runner, obviously you've had that initial thousand NFTs, but like you're showing off here, there is the physical copy. There's more to come. Uh, there's a dog somewhere. Go and just park. Oh, yes. No, it's oh, fine. We have. Look at my dog. Hey. He's just out. Cold. Everybody's yeah. got a dog. We're all dog people. <laughs> This is welcome to the dog cast. You're here with the dogs. Um, uh, well, where right. can people check the it dog out? Dog is what... pitching a show as well. If okay, people do yeah. want to check out the pure comic, like we've been talking yeah. about, what's the best way for them to check that out? Yeah, come, think... yeah, come, go ahead, Bryce. I was going to say, jump on our website. Um, it's omegaxrunner.xyz. Um, there will be a lot of updates uh, about the next time you will be able to order a physical comic book. Um, the other thing you can do is you can buy the NFT and when buying the NFT, you can get access to edition one that'll be live, uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks and then every other edition after that. Awesome. Yeah. And we have a comment here from RT says also come join us in the discord. We're friendly and looking forward to building a team. Well, wow, thank you, RT, nice. whoever you are. <laughs> very um, mysterious. RT. I know RT. Come hang out with me. I'll it's the you. Russian network, right? The Russian yeah. network is popping here. <laughs> Just to offer up a couple of comments. It's cool. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Truly a pleasure. Uh, very curious to see how this project continues. And like we said, yeah. we really enjoyed the story. And like you said, the story is the key. So there you go. Yeah, thanks thank so, you so much. Yeah, big fans, guys. Big fans thanks. of the pod, man. Uh, oh, my really, gosh. Really appreciate the time. Well, thank thanks, you. Man. Thank you for listening. Awesome. Have a good All night, guys. Pleasure. Take care, folks. Thanks, guys. All right. So there cool. we go. Once again, as mentioned, the project is called Runner. You can check it out a bunch of places online. And we are going to move on to our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It is your audience questions. Yeah. First question. And for audience questions, all you gotta do is drop a question and ask a question. I see a bunch of those already on Crowdcast. Ah, also a comment. In the comments over on YouTube, and I will keep an eye on those as well. But before we get to that, first of all, I, I was going to ask what everybody's drinking as well as talk about the drink that Brett Macris has curated for the episode. But Pete, looks like you have a question. Yeah, I, it looked like that guy was coming to us from a treehouse, right? That one guy was like in a round. Like, oh, kind of oh, he was yeah. in a treehouse. He's, <laughs> he's got a sick fort. Yeah, he's got a sick like, fort. Yeah, that was that's pretty cool. Yeah. I love that your job on the show. So, uh, Justin, my job is to interview the guests. Your job is to analyze the background. Just looking. Yeah, that's, we've established <laughs> that's canon now. Pete yeah. comes out afterwards with some sick comments about the background. Amazing. All right. Well, why don't we talk about what we're drinking? Uh, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't able to make the drink that Brett. Oh Patterson come on! Today. I know you did, Pete. I know you're into it, but we're back to the. Gotham cocktail book, and we are doing. Wait, hold on. I'm going to find what it oh, is called. Yeah. It is called the Sakura. Ooh. Sakura. There we go. It's gin sake, yeah. which I did not have. Dry vermouth, which I'm out of. Lemon juice, cherry blossom syrup, which Brett provided a nice. Uh, I love the alternate take on that. Totally okay. great. Did not have that either. So I did have half the things. Uh, so in honor of his New Orleans heritage, I made a, a Sazerac instead Ooh, so there nice. you go. nice very tasty i also didn't have all that stuff so i made a manhattan ah. oh wow pete what are you drinking from your brother's fridge this week 
Oh, drinking, uh, still attacking his Zadies. I'm drinking yeah. cream cheese. It's all he had in there. <laughs> so that's what I'm drinking. Uh, Zadies? What's Zadies? It's a, uh, a born and brewed in Baltimore is what it says in the can. Nice. Excellent. Very nice. All right, we have a bunch of questions here already, so I'm going to jump over to one. This is from Crowdcast. Did the 90s image boom help or hinder the long-term perception of comics in the mainstream, considering the quality of the art juxtaposed against the quality of the storytelling? Great. Right, well, first off, Great when we were question. talking... A lot of takes in that question, I would argue. Uh, when we were talking to our uh, guest, and he was talking about being a kid in the 90s, that made me feel crazy old. <laughs> Right, because you were a kid in the 1910s. That's right. <laughs> the aughts, if you will. Um, but yeah, yeah it was... Uh, oh, pretty sure we graduated college at the end of the 90s there, so... Well, I don't know uh, about you. Not I, I sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 18 years old. Anyway, to answer this question, though, I think... Uh, you know, to go in a different direction, I'd kind of say neither. I think the speculator market hurt comics because people were picking it up just for collecting it that was it like i remember spider-man number one i think is my best example where my brother got it he never read a comic in his life like he never picked up any comics and he was like well i have to get a copy of spider-man one right to collect it and i was like yeah sure it's gonna be worth tons and of course they had piles and piles of them everywhere. Tons of money. Tons. And it, that was the same time as the Image Comics boom and everything. And I, I don't know if it's so much about the art type so much as like, that is certainly what people were picking up. And people, I think, liked the very extreme style that folks like Rob Liefeld and Mark Silvestri and others were bringing. More it was mouth. exaggerated. It was ludicrous. It was over the top. But Lud I think that's, it seemed, I don't know, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there was a sense that it felt transversive versus this very like tied tied up style that was coming before it. I think a couple things like first off, it was those creators leaving sort of the corporate world of comics and taking ownership of their own ideas. So that I think is a huge win for comics and has transcended to the current image, which is a has become a home for that. Um, so I think that was good in general. The glut was. Uh, I think it was good for everyone at the time. Everyone was making a ton of money. Bad in general for two reasons. One, it did de-emphasize story and it was like, get these books out. We don't care what's in them for words. Just make the art pretty. Let's go. Um, and then secondarily, everyone thinks comics sell like they did then and that it's such a collector's market. And that's something that just does isn't true anymore and hasn't been for a while uh, and we have, I'm constantly telling people like uh, comics are essentially valueless and only a handful of people in any <laughs> part of society. I, mean, read I them. blame uh, Beanie Babies. You know what I mean? Like we all thought they were going to be worth so much money. And then, you know, just not. Well, you yeah. used to collect that He's... stick <laughs> stick and hoop game, right? Oh, you man. You used to do that. When you played that. Dude, they said pantaloons. if you had one of those, you'd be set for life. <laughs> it was crazy when Pete left Beanie Baby Club and joined Comic Book Club. It really set the Beanie <laughs> Baby world on fire. What a coup for us. Yeah. Uh, great question why don't we go over to YouTube this is one from Julian Lobato everyone pick two superheroes to create a comic together who's the writer who's the artist and what book are they working on wow so two superhero team writer and artist team on that superhero book I think that's what's so being asked a superhero book with two, with a writer and an artist or do you want two superheroes joined together no, no. Uh, let's say two superheroes oh, one boy. writer one artist 
Great. It's great. So let's make some friends. Let's put uh-huh. some people together and make some friends. Yeah. Gosh. And we got to do some pairing, I guess, that's never happened before or something All right, like here that. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Um, it's going to be uh, Gabriel Rodriguez and Greg Pak. And it's going to be uh, uh, Blade and Hulk okay. uh, teaming up. Wow, Pete! Great, 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 Pete! Answer. Let me say. Uh, and Gabriel Rodriguez bringing sort of the dark edge to that. I love it. Yeah. yeah all right. Uh, just sticking with Marvel stuff for no particular reason. The first thing that came to mind, if we're talking about something I haven't seen before, how about Spider-Man and Mister Fantastic? And it's by Ryan mm. North with art by Javier Rodriguez. Wow. Nice. Ryan North. Love that. Pick. Yeah. Well, because I feel like Spider-Man, you always think Spider-Man, Human Torch, they're friends. But what would it be like if Spider-Man was hanging out with Mr. Fantastic? I feel like that's a weirder pairing and you could get some yeah. humor out of that. And mm, Ryan North would do great. a good job. Because they'd be like uh, having a smart off kind of thing. You know what I mean? Potentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to go with, um, uh, Mark Russell and Riley Rossmo. And those are the two on, superheroes. Go ahead. Yep. They're the superheroes, uh, written and drawn by. And, uh, I think it's, um, Department of Truth, um, meets, uh, meets <laughs> Tiny Titans. Ah, uh, wow. love it. They're going to get fucking ripped apart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. We got another question here from Crowdcast. This is from Nat Towson. Is the Secret Wars movie going to be like Hickman's Crisis on Infinite Earths or like the 80s Secret Wars, in your opinion, no facts required? Oh, great question. And great to take the fact leash off of us. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes I feel like Nat's really setting this up. Mm-hmm. For for a loss, but that one I feel like he kind of unleashed us a little bit. He's setting you up for a loss, uh, perhaps most of all, since you've threatened to uh, bodily harm to him for. Oh man, I can't ago. wait! It's gonna, it's coming! It's gonna be a my That's why it's funny. You, you said you wanted to see a show, and I was like, nope. He wants to punch his show. <laughs> um, I, I think pretty clearly it's going to be Hickman's run more than anything. Oh, I was hoping it was going to be eighties, man. Nah, I mean, maybe they'll pull a little on it, but they love Hickman stuff. They clearly uh, took a bunch of that for Infinity War in particular with the Black Order, with the creatures that showed up there and everything. Um, I think they're going to do the same thing with Secret Wars, like usual with MCU stuff. It won't be a a one-to-one adaptation, but I think what we're going to get, and we've talked about this before, I think on our Marvel Vision podcast, but my best guess is we will see some sort of thing in Kang Dynasty where Kang is attacking and trying to take over the multiverse, and ultimately he wins, the multiverse is destroyed, but they're able to save this patchwork planet a la the Hickman Secret Wars, and we'll see that show up in Secret Wars with whoever is left fighting for dominance of this planet and to hopefully get the multiverse back. I think it's going to be a straight adaption of the eighties comic. And then at the end, Alf is going to do the voiceover. Elf. Alf. Yeah. Or elf. Elf. A. Will Ferrell. Okay. Will Ferrell as elf. Look at Christmas. The guy likes to eat cats. Will Ferrell as elf. Oh my God. So that's a fun, that's a fun crossover. Huh? And kill me, right? 
Yeah, there's the good. there's the voice you've been waiting for. Yeah, um, I I agree. I think it is going to be Hickman. I do think, I do think they will bring in some of the simplicity. Uh, the Hickman Secret Wars was very complex. I bet we'll get a little bit more of the original Secret War simplicity. And what do you think? Are we going to get a Venom costume on Spider Man coming out of that? I mean, they got to bring in everybody, right? Like, they got to bring in literally everything, just throw all the spaghetti at the wall in that final Secret Wars movie to make it feel like the biggest movie of all time. Because Endgame already felt like the biggest movie of all time. They got to do something even bigger than that. Well, and we were talking about this on the Slack earlier, where it's like, Endgame was big. Thanos, one of the most renowned crossovers Marvel's done, Infinity Gauntlet. Um, and then now we're doing all the multiversal stuff. Like, where do we go from here? This is very much carb for the um, uh, multiversal horse. But like, we're doing it all now. It's all over. So like, are we do? Where do we go out? Of- so what's after the multiverse saga? Vibranium yeah. Vendetta. Come on. Now you uh, you're speaking <laughs> my language. Let's take it back to basics. Yeah, there you go. This is some right. long term projections, but I'm going to say I think. So some of our main characters get spun into a uh, different universe or the universe is like a dark Avengers. Mm. I guess we'll see what happens. Maybe there's a light Avengers and they're all friends. That that could be nice. Oh, that, be nice. Fun. We got a question here. This is a breaking news from Pablo D. Martinez. Uh, Pete, I, I, I don't know if you know about this. I think you know about this, but I'm sure you'll have some strong feelings. This broke right before we were taping the show. Ryan Reynolds has revealed on his Instagram and also Twitter, let's not downplay his Twitter, that Deadpool oh, 3 is happening and Hugh Jackman is coming back as Wolverine. Thoughts? <laughs> Take it away, Pete. Well, I mean, uh, everybody had hoped that Deadpool 3 was going to happen. You know what I mean? Um so, yep. I mean, this is exciting, and, you know, there's always Hugh Jackman jokes in a Deadpool movie, so it'll be interesting to have you uh, be able to maybe rebut or, uh, you know, um, uh, kind of uh, defend himself. Uh, it should be fun. Uh, they have a fun relationship on the uh, social medias, so why not bring that to the platform uh i think it's exciting i think it's I, a I win love that for the- now, twitter beef but in a superhero movie that's gonna be so much fun i love yeah. reading twitter now, on a even- daily basis so i love watching it yeah exactly this is right Are we sponsored by twitter suddenly what's going on right <laughs> yeah. now uh don't forget <laughs> to tweet pretty- today <laughs> great freeze you've been pretty vocal about your um uh hashtag wolverine too tall uh, right. With Hugh Jackman as as yeah, Logan, huge um, how Jackman. do you feel? Huge Jackman. How yeah. do you feel? Huge jacked man. How do you feel about him <laughs> coming back? Do you want? Well, him to what's be, great is um, uh, shrunk. I, he's post? older now. He's older now, so he's going to be a little shorter. Yeah, I've reached out to Ryan uh, Reynolds numerous times about uh, uh, some ideas for the next Deadpool, having Wolverine, but making sure you're shooting down so he looks mm. uh, the proper size might be some fun comedy and that do a lord of the rings is what you're saying like basically deadpool is gandalf let's have it that (laughs) comedy for days i i think this totally makes sense i don't know how they're going to work it out other than uh, as they were going to do anyway in terms of like being very cheeky about oh we used to be a fox movie now we're a disney movie and i'm sure there'll be lots of winky look to the camera stuff about that i think like we would talk about 
totally fine to bring back Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I know I was joking about it just before, but yes, this seems a natural extension of the bit that they've been doing for years at this point. So why not put it in a movie? Um, it does. I feel like put the MCU in a weird place with X-Men where everybody expects them to recast Wolverine. And now they're bringing Hugh Jackman Wolverine into the MCU in some <laughs> sort of form there. So it's just kind of delaying that inevitable choice, but whatever people will like it, it'll be fun. Um, X-23 my thing, is all the Wolverine we need. Well, right yeah, the thing is like the, the, I I didn't love Deadpool 2. Like, Deadpool 1, very surprised by, really enjoyable. I think they nailed it. Deadpool 2 was some very funny jokes, but some weird fridging stuff that went down there. Yep. As long as they could write the ship and make a good movie, I don't care who's in it, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think all of this sort of backs the theory I've been saying, that the X-Men are further off than we think in the MCU. Everyone thinks the X-Men are coming sooner, and this makes me think that it is further further along yeah we got another big Don't hollywood to, story uh, drink your aviation gin by the way absolutely it's actually yeah, pretty nice good i'm just saying small promo uh this is something that oh interesting this is from scott carpenter can you ask pete if there is anything else he wants to plug to see if he goes straight into find us on facebook it's been a year or so since the outro change uh but we have a question here from David Quinley who says, what's happening? Remember who, when we did the live show, we'd actually all say stuff versus me monologuing for a minute at the end of the show. Right. And oh, you would say, great. find us on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, on great Facebook. call. I'm also not on Facebook anymore. I got kicked <laughs> off. Oh, you got wow. kicked off of Facebook. We'll definitely yeah, they, have to delve further into that. They, <laughs> somebody guessed my password that I did. It was years ago when I created it, so it wasn't very complicated. And they yeah. changed my password and then changed the email associated with the account. So basically, it was like took all my friends and all the things that I had on Facebook, and we're like, "Yeah, I'll take it from here." Thanks. And in real life too, right? I was yeah. gonna say, yeah, I know that guy. He's fun. He is pretty close. He hangs <laughs> yeah. out with Alex and I when he comes the to New York. New Pete. Yeah, he invited me out on Friday night. Huh. Anyway, we got a, a question here. Uh, I'll I give was a little at more Midtown on Wednesday. You weren't there. Pablo was there. It's your fault. <laughs> Not my fault. David Quidley on YouTube says, what do you think of Grendel being canceled? Uh, this is something, This something that broke earlier today. There was an adaptation of Matt Wagner's Grendel that was made for Netflix. Reportedly, they had already filmed a bunch of episodes and they were only doing eight. Uh, I don't know exactly how many, but definitely more than half of them at that point. They canceled the production for whatever reason, and it potentially will be shopped around to other streaming services. So I think we might still see it somewhere, but that's a real bummer. That really sucks, I think. It's strange to me. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, like, Sandman is a success on Netflix, we think, as far as we can tell. And Alex, you've been doing a lot of reporting on this. Like, it's Sandman is a hit. It's been in the top 10 for how long? Two months, 10 weeks, something crazy. Yeah, it was, it fell out, but it was in there for seven weeks. And generally speaking with Netflix, though they're very opaque in terms of what they're actually looking for, they're usually looking at the first 28 days, like the first four weeks of stats, at least self-reported. And it was there. It was right there in that top 10 and it continued past that. So yes, by their own standards, it's definitely a success. And I would uh, think Grendel could operate sort of 
alongside that. If they're trying to build up a a fantasy section in on the service, like why would they cancel this unless it signals a, a a shift? Are they saying Amazon's owning this sort of world? Not that Grendel's like f- high fantasy by any means, but it the the look and feel sort of echoes Sandman in a way, uh, depending on uh, assuming they were sort of tracking. Wagner the show. did an unbelievable job on the comic, and it was one of my favorite uh, pickups for sure. Um, I I loved all all uh, his stuff, especially uh, Grendel, but also the Mask of Zorro run that he did was really amazing. So I was excited about seeing uh, you know the series and what they were going to kind of do what what they were going to take from the comic, what changes they were going to make. And, and now that's all gone. And that sucks that not only might it not see, uh, you know, the light of day, but with fans who love the comic won't be able to kind of support it. So I, to get back to what Justin was saying for a second, though, all that was very well said, Pete. I do think there might be some sort of shift going on there because the thing that stood out to me is this was executive produced by a guy named Andrew Dabb, who also executive produced and created the Resident Evil show that was on and created the Dab, as Pete points out. Yeah. But he did Resident <laughs> Evil, which I don't know if anybody watched, was honestly, legitimately kind of stupid fun and did exactly what it needed yeah. to do. Did pretty solidly in turn of stats, but was canceled after one season by Netflix. It wasn't a huge surprise, but I think there might be something there in terms of they might have seen another Resident Evil coming down the pike. It might have been something similar, and they felt like, you know what, let's just cut our losses here and kind of move forward, which is super shitty, not for the least reason uh, that uh, the guy who was the lead, I'm forgetting his name, but he was on Katie Keene. He was the photographer friend of Pepper. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he was going to be, when this came out, the first Arab Muslim lead of a superhero show so that's kind of a big deal would have been very cool so i do hope we see it someday um but obviously not on netflix well and i i do think it's weird to cancel a show mid-production like that money from a production standpoint that money is technically spent that budget is Mm -hmm. so like it mid-production to cancel it is to me always a strange sign it means something is changing in a very big way um, at the company that is spending that money if they're cutting it off at the knees when they've already shot material that could easily air. There you go. Uh, We got a bunch more questions here that I want to get through. This is uh, from Ben, the Border Collie. Alan Seppenwall just released his ranking of the top 100 shows of all time. Real quick, (laughs) what is each of y'all's top 100 shows? Oh, yeah, let's just go through the top 100 real quick. Yeah, yeah. 100. um, The Pete LePage. (laughs) Yeah. 99. Alf. 98. (laughs) Alf. No, I don't know. It's a good list. Just to be clear, it wasn't just Alan Sepinwall. He asked a ton of people, showrunners, actors, other journalists, things like that, to put the list together. So, What are you saying? Are you being defensive because you submitted stuff? I did not submit stuff. It seemed like you were building up to that. Um, But... Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, like any list, there's always going to be disagreements on stuff. Um, the Where was the one, A-team? I think it was probably right above ALF, but mm-hmm. the number one was Sopranos, which what? you're a big fan of, right, Justin? 
I I like the ending right. hurts it being number one. That's hard to put that as number one, man. When the show, can't I think the end. Su- the Sopranos gets a lot of prestige because it was the first sort of quote unquote prestige drama and set the stage for all of that. Um, so I think it gets a little bit of credibility there. But from a episode by episode basis, I don't think it's the best show of um, of all time. What was Seinfeld? I was in the top ten somewhere. Okay. Interesting. There you go. That's also crazy to rank Seinfeld versus Sopranos. Two shows that have truly <laughs> nothing in common. This is from Nelson Martinez over on YouTube. Just checking into what you guys think of Stargirl so far this season. If any of you are checking it out. I know I've seen the first six. Have you guys watched any of it yet? No. You you broke my heart by telling me it wasn't very good. So I didn't. No, no, know. no. I said it was solid. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Don't throw this on me, Pete. I just um, go by. I was waiting seat. at the bar Friday night to tell you everything about Stargirl and how great it was, and you never showed up. Oh, I was there. Oh, um, I do plan on watching it, but I haven't watched it yet. I yeah. think uh, it's fun. You know, it's. I, I think there's not. I wish there was more focus on the JSA characters. They sort of feel like side characters on the show at this point, with everything else that's going on, but. I've talked about this a bunch of times on our Week Geek podcast. The repartee between Joel McHale and Luke Wilson is very fun. It's clearly them just like jockeying for time on screen and having a good time. And that's a good time to watch. I think the mystery structure is fun as well. And it generally seems like it's less dark and more relaxed than the previous season. Also... Very interested. It seems like there's how there's much stuff group. is Mikey eating though. That's what I want. Mikey to know. isn't eating enough. I will say that, and okay, I don't remember what episode we're on. Uh, but I will say I really enjoy Zeke, the guy who is Pete on the show, the mechanic. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, I, every awesome. time I say this, I say Zeke, the guy who is Pete, and you're like, huh? What are you talking? Oh right, I remember that. <laughs> the mechanic was like, hey, Delaware, I'm going to give you some guns. I'm going to put some guns on it. <laughs> You're going to put a little flame door down here. Anyway, very fun time. Why don't we go to another question over here? This, oh my gosh, so many of them. This is from Edward Doherty. My wife is due on the 30th. I tried to convince hey, her to give hey. the kid an alliterative name like a Marvel character, Damien Doherty. However, she told me that was a <laughs> stupid and a dumb idea. Which one of us is right? Great question, um, Edward. Well, great question. Your wife uh, knows you the best, um, but uh, you know it's uh, those names are fun, man. But I can't blame you for trying. But you know, you got to you know both both people have to really love the name. You know, I would. I'm, glad I'm chiming in on this first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the the stereotypical dad Pila Page. I think uh, putting it forward as a comic book esque name, maybe not your best uh, sort of strategy. Just saying an alliterative name is cool. It's much more memorable. Uh, it's easy for it rolls off the tongue. I think that's the case you make. I very specifically didn't want to name the kids after any comic book characters. I like thought through it and then thought through scenarios of it, and it just didn't feel right to me. But Ultimately, you got to do what's right for you and your partner, whatever yeah. makes both of you happy. Yeah, that's right. Stan Lee Tyler, come in here and jump on the <laughs> podcast real quick. Sorry, I'm just calling my daughter over for one sec. <laughs> just give me one sec. Uh, let's see. This is from Nat Townsend. We kind of talked about this already. Also, what is MCU phase seven through nine about? How do you get bigger from here? They will never get smaller. We kind of touched on this a little bit, but what do you think? 
Uh, I, I know, Justin, you seem I, very interested in jumping ahead. Pete, you go ahead. I would just, I would like them to start small and then try to build again. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I feel like you can't keep getting bigger and keep it going. At some point, you got to kind of start small and build back up again. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can. I hope they'll try. It, it's going to be interesting. Hollywood is so good at going small after they've gone big. No oh, one yeah, has dude. any complaints about that. So I feel like they're going to be fine lowering some profits as they get back to some calm storytelling. <laughs> uh, and we got another one from Nat here. I didn't want to mess with your interview, but are you aware that NFTs are drastically and needlessly caustic to the environment and also a pyramid scheme? Uh, well, there you go. I. <laughs> what do you guys think about that? <laughs> I, I don't know how buying something online hurts the environment, but okay. They they use an intense amount of energy to produce. When they're made. Yes. Yeah, when they're made. Um, I did honestly want to touch on that a little bit because I think comparing, and I don't think there's necessarily a comparison, but comparing taking printing a comic book and printing tons of comic books, which destroys trees and uses paper versus NFTs, I don't know what the comparison is there necessarily. Um, and it doesn't make I one do thing right or the other. But more ahead, energy Justin. is used. I think more energy is used on a creation of NFT from a pure power um, basis. Yeah. Um, and I do think, you know, to speak for our guests, not to necessarily jump in and defend, but I think like they were trying to emphasize that is a small part of their project. And to be frank, I think like I was implying they're using that as an advertising thing to activate this new community and work with them. Because I do think the book itself was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. And it seems like they're very passionate oh, yeah. about the project. Yeah. The book was great. There's no question about that. So there you go. But thank you for asking that. We appreciate it. This is from Kevin. There's been a long history of comics mining mythology for characters and stories. What are some of your favorite depictions of ancient myth in comics? What are characters and stories from mythology you haven't seen, but would like to? Uh, well, Cliff Chang uh, did a run on Wonder Woman. Well, they did a great job of, uh, of pulling, uh, kind of redid an origin story and uh, really focused more on the uh, Greek gods, which was a lot of fun. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Sort of updated them, actually, I think, yeah. like for the DC continuity at the time, uh, which was cool. I'll also throw out there, I feel like I say this every time we get a question like this, but George O'Connor's The Olympian series, which is a group of oh, right, novels yeah. from First Second, we had him on the show years ago at this point, is so cool. Yeah. And that's one that I'm always very pleasantly surprised kids constantly pick up and discover. Like, my oldest discovered it at around eight years old and got obsessed with them and then kind of moved on. And then my youngest just discovered them at the library. and was like, these are really cool and I'm into them. Wait. And every time I'm like, we had them on the show, you know, and they're like, we don't care. Stop it, dad. Enjoy and your <laughs> downstairs. You're, and your oldest's name, uh, Pelbin Zelbin, right? Yeah. Pelbin Zelbin and Milbin Zilbin. Oh. It's weird. We changed the last name for the second one. Smart. Interesting. Smart. That's, yeah. Yes. Uh, Very one, rare but... to do that. Harder to. Um, let me throw out um, Hercules from uh, from Greg Pak. Uh, P. Oh. I wish I had this answer. And Fred Van Lenty. Um, we should get them on the show. He did a great job show. of sort of bringing, having a fun um, a way of bringing some of the old mythology stuff mm -hmm. to the Marvel. 
Last one we got here from Stray Bullet. We have a lot of comics that don't involve superheroes, but touch on real life scenarios with characters that feel like they could be actual people, but put in comic form. What's a genre of life that you'd like to see out into the comic form? Like, say, a story about stamp collectors or mini golf contestants who play to the death. Ooh, well, man, that's a great pick. Wow. I love that. Uh, more mini golf and comics, please. Hmm. That's, this is a, so any sort of community bringing into the comic book fold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll tell you, one of my favorites is cooking. But there have been so many different cooking yeah, manga and cooking yeah. books at this point that I'm I'm good on that. We're all good. You're full. You're yeah, full. I've of been fed. Cooking manga. I've been fed. Yeah. That's what we say about Alex. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we haven't seen a lot of ice fishermen. And let mm-hmm. me say, that's a culture that I uh, grew up around. They're very kind of a grumpy old happened. men scenario? Is that what you're saying? Like, we that's what I'm talking more... about. <laughs> and for that's culture, exactly we haven't seen uh, horticulture. We haven't seen a lot of horticulturists. I would love to see a stamp collector by day and, you know, fighting crime at night situation. You know, uh, let me first... Uh, you know, pitch my uh, frisbee golf comic. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. it's adventures of. Uh, Didn't they do that? Mark Miller wrote a book called The Ultimates. <laughs> <laughs> Very different game, Alex. Ultimate and frisbee golf. Very hey, hey, see right. what he did there? Fair enough. Uh, he paused afterwards to really let us know. <laughs> hold, <laughs> for, hold for a plot. And we that very is rarely everybody... a plot on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear it, though. You can hear it. Everybody in Brooklyn is going nuts outside right oh, now. Man. Yeah. That Pete, you'd know. You were here this past weekend. Yeah, that's right, yeah. man. And that's it for your audience questions. Woo-hoo-hoo. We are going to go to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. Pete LePage. The question is, do we have a volunteer? Or are we looking for a first-hand-up person? We're, We're looking, looking for a first-hand-up first, first person. Anybody who wants to do trivia, just say me or raise your hand or hi or absolutely anything, either in the comments here. You can also do it on YouTube, though there's a delay. And you'll be competing for either a $25 gift card at Midtown Comics or a $25 gift card to Long John Silver's Your Choice. Yes, we have oh, made that option. Wow, look at those options. Uh, yes. Let me throw out, we got a question while we're waiting for a hand to come up. What happened to the cheesesteak meat from Edward Doherty in the comments here? And that's a question that's kept me up nights as well. The cheesesteak meme? Yeah. Well, I'll you tell know, you. Oh. The cheesesteak meme? What happened You know what I'm talking about from somebody. Riverdale. Uh, the one where you were... No, wait. Hold on. <laughs> good. That was a this... really good setup. The one where you're sucking on a cheesesteak. Oh, yeah, there it Woo! is. Woo! Woo! I knew it was in there. It worth the fifteen minutes. Oh, we got David Quinley over on YouTube. We'll do it. Okay. So why don't we set it up with him? How does that sound? Great, great. I think that's great. Okay, David Quinley, you're in. I'm gonna feed you the questions on YouTube. I'm gonna feed you the questions. Uh, you're like, gonna right, be straight fed. from the you're butcher's hands. Tonight. The butcher's oh, hands right into your mouth. All right, here we go. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Louise Fletcher, R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. Archie Comics for the holidays is launching a fun one-shot called Blank. Is it A, fuck, I forgot to get that person a present, B, happy horror days, 
or C, Sally Kirkland? So it's either A, which I completely made up, or it's B, Happy mm. it Sounds like you forgot to get days. somebody a present, though, Pete. Is that something that happened? Well, that always seems yeah, to happen like every it's year. It's haunting. like you think you got everybody, and then there's that one person looking at you like, Wahabi. You know what I mean? Hey, what mm-hmm. what happies? My birthday's coming up. I don't know if that's in here. Oh, really? Is it soon? Very. Ooh. Wait, right. I'll see. You got a two-week clock, kid. Oh, man. Two weeks. Uh, Dim Quinley is not saying B yet, but let's imagine he said B and keep Oh, I just on. did. Oh, that's yeah. a good hypothetical. Right. Yeah. All right, so here imagine. we go. Question number two. They do Which... that on Jeopardy a lot. Oh, he said B. There we go. Okay. okay. Which thing from the 90s is DC actually bringing back? Is it A, holographic covers, B, embossed foil covers, or C, Ahmad Rashad? So it's either A, which isn't true, or it's B, embossed foil covers are Mm. coming back. Can you believe it? Guys, how many of the foil covers did you have? Uh, I'll just bring up, I know we had two choices for prizes. Jack Rudy over on YouTube says the only prize I would want is a cheesesteak date with Pete. Is that a thing? Would you do that? Would you do that as a prize, Pete? Oh, man. Yeah, in a second. For a cheesesteak? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Somebody get some wet naps to that date. What would you do for a cheesesteak bar? Right, Pete? (laughs) Yeah, so B. Yes, B. Let's imagine he said B. Go How ahead. How many cheesesteak dates could you do in a row? Oh, he said B. Like there if, we go. If you had to do like three or four. Uh, yeah, like back. imagine you like had to do a two at the same time. Yeah, like a do... classic, like you were doing a Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire. A classic movie. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, yeah. Great I rom-com. Could, I could definitely do five in one day. I mean, I would need <laughs> five like. Five cheesesteaks? You would yeah, eat five cheesesteaks in one day. My God. Oh, yeah. Would how much time? You, how, I, much time yeah. would you, how much time? Right, do you you're going to run out of sound cue at a certain point, so take it away, Pete. Okay, here we go. Uh, number three, people are excited to see Namor in Wakanda forever. But when did Namor first appear? Is it A, 1928, B, 1939, or is it C, James Earl Jones? Mm. Do you guys? Do you guys know the answer on this one? James Earl Jones is what I wait. Is this sorry? What was the question when Black first appearance of uh, Namor? Oh, Namor. Yeah, it would. Wait, did you say 1928 or 1939? Was that that's right? 1939. It would have to be 39. It's 39. Yeah, just yeah, because Superman was 38, right? Yeah, comics weren't really a thing before that. Yeah, yeah, not really. Let's say he said that. Congratulations, David Quidley. You have won your uh, choice of either a gift card to Midtown Comics or a Long John Silver's gift card or a cheesesteak date with Pete LePage. Just email <laughs> us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. <laughs> and we will get it set up. Uh, and what... I have a gift card for Long John Comics. Is that a good... Should I use that? Uh, they use tartar sauce in their comics, so I don't recommend it. Um, That's how you bag and board them. Uh, Kevin, of course, was on top of it. He's, we're talking about the 1989 smash hit, Best of the Best. Oh, wow. Speaking of the best of the best, as we all know, the best comics are always coming out all the time. What are you looking forward to that's coming out this week, Pete? Oh, man, a lot of great stuff. I, I'm pleasantly surprised with DC versus Vampires number nine 
And also, oh, eight. you were pleasantly surprised with a book that you've loved every issue of. Yep, we've and... literally glowed about this book for <laughs> I want to say nine months. <laughs> uh, yep, and also eight billion genies number five. Hmm. Justin, what about you? I also enjoyed a lot of great comics this week. I would first want to shout out. Um, um, you think Spider? Wait, what are you saying? You're freezing. Amazing yeah, Spider-Man. I think you said Spider-Man. Amazing Spider. Can you hear me now? Amazing Spider-Man yes. number ten. Um, this is actually a, a crossover um, as a part of the uh, Avengers Eternals um, cr- uh, crossover, and it is just a great use of that as a storytelling device that I really, really enjoyed. Um, also, shout. I'll get your heartstrings. It got bit. me. It did. Um, Human Target number seven uh, coming back with a vengeance. Lazarus oh, yeah. Risen number seven after a oh, year yeah, break. Uh, back at it. Oh man, and, that's um, that's a banger issue. It's about that going forward. Yeah, yeah. So many good things. The one that I'll give a shout out to that I was uh, very excited about: Superman Space Age number two from DC oh. Comics oh, oh, by Mark Russell with Mike uh, Allred so and Laura Allred. Perfect oh. team. I, I said this in the first issue, but. Love Mark Russell. Love Mike Allred and Laura Allred. You have already sold me on the book. I don't even care what the contents is. It's great. But this is, I think, 80-something pages of them working together. So exciting. All of that stuff is going to be in our Stack podcast, which comes out Wednesday at 9 a.m., both in the Comic Book Club feed and its own dedicated Stack feed. And, folks, that is it for this week's show couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Blaze Hemingway, Brian Unklis, and Bryce Anderson for coming on to talk about Runner. Also, Joe Corallo, thanks for coming back to the show to talk about the never-ending party. Next week on the yeah. show, Ryan Silbert is going to be returning to talk about Alliance's Orphans. Also, Matthew Clickstein is going to be here to talk about Fantagraphics. See you at San Diego Comic-Con, an oral history of Comic-Con fandom and the triumph of geek culture. We are yes. going to celebrate with him couple of things we want to celebrate marvel vision our marvel podcast coming out weekly only saying positive things about she hulk it's really a celebration of the show the doom room our doom patrol podcast on thursdays as well check out new episodes there the umbrella park academy our umbrella academy podcast is back on mondays so you can check that out we're getting caught up with the rest of the season patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do don't forget to subscribe on apple android spotify stitcher or the app of your choice at comic book live on twitter comic book club live on instagram comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more until next time good night Good night, folks. See you Pete, next I'll see you on Friday, right? Yeah, Friday at the bar. Yeah, I'll see you at the bar, Pete. Pete, I can't hear you. What's the location, Pete? Yeah. Yeah.